Hello, welcome to the First Right Podcast, the weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration of America. I'm your host, Nick Jeevis, and today we're blessed to be speaking with author and conservative commentator, Eric Metaxas. Eric, thank you so much for being with us today. It's actually funny how things come full circle. I met you 12 years ago. I was in college Republicans, and you were giving a talk at the dinner uh, that we were having, and we laughed that we were both Greek and that our fathers uh, had Greek last names. So it's funny to have you back here after so many years. Thanks for coming on. Wonderful to be reminded of that, to be honest with you. Thank you. Uh, great to, to have an opportunity to talk to you and your audience. So let's talk about your book or your most recent book. You have a lot of books, uh, Letter to the American Church. I want to know, why did you write this book? Well, there's no doubt about it in my mind that it was not my idea uh, to write the book. That, that might sound a little, how do I put it? I, I guess I've never in my life ever felt um, that God had put a message on my heart in the way that I felt about this book. I, I had an urgency that it was not my own. And uh, I just felt that I've, I've got to get this message out. It will reach the people uh, it's supposed to reach, but I've never ever felt an urgency like this. And, you know, let me put it this way. Bonhoeffer's principal message to the church in Germany was that they have to put their faith into action. The German church was paralyzed into silence and inaction um, at the time when evil was rising. Uh, the Nazis, who were atheistic monsters um, who wanted to crush the church, were rising. And when I wrote my book on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, I, could, I thought, could this happen in America? Could this type of thing happen in America? It wouldn't be the same. It would be similar but different. Um, and and I simply had never felt anything like this in the last few years. I, I just saw in a moment, this is what is happening in the church in America today. Exactly what happened in Germany, exactly. And just as they didn't see it coming, just as they thought, oh, how bad could it get? It can't get that bad. They had no idea how bad it could get. Bonhoeffer tried to warn them. And in writing a letter to the American church, I'm really using Bonhoeffer's voice to speak to the American church today. Now, I got a sense from what you wrote in the book and, and some of your past writings that when people call out good and evil, especially in the Christian church, they're accused of politicizing it, that they're bringing it into the civil world and then it becomes right versus left instead of right versus wrong. How do people counter that when they try to call out evil or they try to call out bad things and then they're accused of being political? How do you uh, navigate that, that issue as a Christian? Well, I mean, to be undiplomatic, if somebody accuses you as a Christian of being political, just tell them to drop dead. It's the voice <laughs> of the devil. Because what did they say to people who try to abolish the slave trade? You're being political. Just stick to your church stuff. Drop dead is the only answer to somebody like that. What, what you're telling me is that the voice of God should be silenced. And you're trying to silence it by calling me political. Maybe by saying, oh, you're a Christian nationalist. That's the voice of the devil trying to silence the voice of God. God's voice speaks in every sphere. And so to say, oh, you can't become political, why not? We abolish slavery through politics. The slave trade, I wrote a book about William Wilberforce, Amazing Grace. The slave trade was abolished through politics. The civil rights movement came out of the churches and then became political. There was legislation based on what the civil rights movement was able to accomplish in speaking to the culture. So whenever somebody says you shouldn't be political, you have to understand that's the voice of the devil because it, it, the devil is afraid that he will not be able 
to put forward his political views, right? What, what are the political views of the dark side? What is evil? Do we understand there's real evil at play? Uh, that is to silence the church always, always to silence the voice of the church so that atheistic Marxism, cultural Marxism, globalism, what, whatever it is, transgender lunacy, that it can be forced into the culture, that it can be forced, um, it's even infiltrated the churches. Um, that is not God's plan. And when somebody only has this argument that, oh, oh, you're being political, my question is, have I made an idol of politics? Or am I, in fact, using politics for God's purposes, just as the abolitionists did? But when somebody does that, you know they're not interested in the truth. They simply want to shut you up, and you need to just, you know, tell them, I'm not going to have it. You mention all these things that have infiltrated the faith, the church, and the country. How does an average Christian stand up and actually fight back after they've you know, pushed off the political argument? How do they stand up and fight back in this what seems to be epic battle between darkness and light? What, what, are, what are we to do? What are, what are we supposed to, to do in this battle? Well, first of all, what I want to say is God is the one who calls us to the battle. If the Lord calls you to the battle, he'll show you what your job is. Every one of us has a different job. Now, the reason I wrote the book, Letter to the American Church, and the reason we made the documentary film, Letter to the American Church, is to give people something to bite into, something to get their hands on, uh, because frankly, a lot of people don't know, uh, they're not conversant in some of the issues, and they feel kind of, you know, oh, I don't know if I want to speak into that, it's, it's confusing. The reason I wrote the book, and the reason the film particularly uh, explains this is to arm people, to help them get their arms around this, to, to get uh, a sense that, yes, this is my job. Now, what your job is, is always going to be different. Some people, your job is to run for political office. Some people, uh, your, your job is to uh, get on a school board, right? but everybody has a job. Sometimes it's something that you might think of as small, but it's not small. Simply speaking the truth, that's number one, speaking the truth being unafraid to speak the truth, giving strong pushback when somebody says, oh, don't be political. I guess the, the first thing I would say, um, Nick, I, I guess is that, you know, if, if you're going to a church that doesn't understand this, get out of that church because this yes. is a battle and you need to be surrounded by people that are in the battle with you and that understand this is God's battle. The Lord has called us to a holy crusade against evil. Now, the slave trade, it's very easy for us to say, oh, yeah, I recognize that was evil. At the time, I want to be real clear. People said, oh, no, 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 that's they're different views. It's complicated. Well, people are always going to say that. You have to understand that in every generation, the church is called uh, to be a voice, to be a voice, to be God's voice in the culture, in politics. And again, if you're living in a time where you have no political voice, like in, in the first century in Rome, you don't expect, you know, Paul and Peter uh, and James and John to be political. They had no political voice. But we in America are the beneficiaries. Patriots have died to win liberty so that we could have a voice. And so we have this privilege, the honor of being able to be political, being able to vote, to advocate for good candidates versus evil candidates, uh, good candidates versus corrupt candidates. God has called us to that. Uh, God has called us to represent him in the public square politically. And I, and I think that the timidity that many in the church uh, have felt, uh, it's simply not biblical. We're called to be courageous warriors for God's purposes and to be joyful warriors. What a joy that we get to represent God, whether in politics, in the culture, because he really does have a will. 
just as we know clearly he was against slavery, he was against the Nazis. Well, in our day, we have a host of evils rising up, and they don't announce themselves as evil. They pretend to be, you know, caring about people. But I'm here to tell you, you know, critical race theory, uh, cultural Marxism, transgender uh, lunacy, uh, open borders policy, globalist policy, corruption in government, these are all moral issues, and the Lord wants his people to understand that and to get involved. And, and the, the first thing folks can do, as I said, is go to see the, see the film Letter to the American Church, or better yet, go to the website lettertothamericanchurch.com. If you go there, you can see how your church can sign up for a free screening, zero money, no strings attached. It's about getting the word out. And if your church is not interested in doing a free screening, I would kind of wonder why you're interested in going to that church because we are in a battle right now. This is literally a free screening letter to the American church.com. Of course, people can watch the film themselves. It will be available at Epoch TV on February 8th. That's EPOCHTV.com. And I hope people will do that. It's very cheap, but literally free to churches. So letter to the American church.com is the website. All the information's there, including information on how you can get more involved in things you can do besides uh, seeing the film and having a free screening at your church. That's a good point. I wanted to ask you something. You're a very spiritual person, and a lot of people, especially in my age group, not only do they not know how to pray, they don't pray. And I assume you frame it as a spiritual battle. Prayer is a big part of that, getting through the, the down days. How do you personally pray? Do you read a Bible verse? Do you recite prayers? Do you meditate on it? What's your advice for people that do pray and want to expand, and how about people that maybe haven't even thought about praying but are starting to see the world collapse? I'm, I'm a really scattered person, so I wouldn't go by how I pray. I pray in every different kinds of, of way. Like sometimes I'm disciplined about it for a little while, then uh, I'm not. So the way I pray, I mean, oftentimes for me, because you kind of have to figure out what works for you, but praying with my wife is, I feel like my most effective prayers are when I'm praying together with Suzanne, which is interesting, right? Because, you know, of course I pray on my own, but it's interesting to me how you, you have to figure out what works for you. And it doesn't matter, whatever it is, go for it. I think um, probably the best discipline that people can have is to read a, a couple of chapters of scripture every day, find a time in the day and just do that. And that will lead you uh, into prayer. But you kind of have to figure out, it's like exercise or anything else, you have to figure out what works for you and what works for your schedule. Because we do have to understand that this is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle, it's not a political battle. When you're fighting against evil, it may become political, but ultimately it is a spiritual battle because you're talking about human beings. I mean, if you don't vote or you just don't care, people's lives are destroyed because of bad policies, bad government policies. And living in uh, a republic, um, living in the United States of America, every one of us has a responsibility to weigh in. And the church has the largest responsibility, especially when we see evil rising like we've never seen it on every level. Um, you know, we saw, we see a double standard in our justice system uh, that if you have conservative views or biblical views, the government's coming after you really hard. How can anyone not be bothered by that? How can anyone say, well, that's fine with me? It shouldn't be fine with you. I don't care where you are politically. I don't care if you're an atheist. The idea that you would have double standards in the American justice system and that the government is, government is being weaponized against pro-lifers, if that doesn't bother you and, and goad you to action, um, then I would just say, what good are you? You're just working with the dark forces because you're allowing this to happen. 
you have a voice. Every one of us has a voice. Every one of us has power to do something. And again, the question is, what is God calling each of us to do? But it's different in every case. And so I don't think people should beat themselves up the head like, I've, I've got to do this. You don't have to do anything except what God has given you to do. But speaking the truth, being aware of the issues, and again, just being aware of the issues, that's why I wrote the book and why the film is out, because I want it to be easy for people to see what the issues are and what they might do. So it's Letter to the American Church. I, I recommend it. Uh, you know, any church, as I say, uh, that can have a free screening, my question would be, why wouldn't you do that? This is, you know, um, this is about understanding what is the proper role of the church in being political, in being activist? How do we put our faith into action? What does that mean? And, you know, when you have wicked policies being enacted by our own government, you've got to step up. You have to do that. So last question before we let you go. I know you just outlined part of the book, but is there any specific section of the book or message of the book that may be buried in there that you want the audience to take away from when they close it, they're done with the last page? What is it that they should do and how should they feel? What was your what is your goal? Well, we we have actually I didn't mention it. We have a study guide for letter to the American church. A lot of people doing it in their their home groups. You know, um, uh, it's a short book, but the study guide kind of helps you, you know, get a handle on on these issues. So it's not something you read and forget because the goal to answer your question is to start a movement so that the church would put its faith into action. The church would understand. Uh, I mean, I was going to title the book instead of letter to the American church, I was going to title it faith without works is dead because I think that's the blind spot of the modern evangelical church, just as it was the blind spot of the church in Germany that we kind of act like it's what I believe it's, it's theology. It's not theology. It's it, what you believe, your real faith is how you're going to live your life. That's going to show what you actually believe. And I think that faith without works is dead is a scripture that it should scare us. It should say, well, am I living out my faith? Do I really believe? Do I have a saving faith? Because if I do, the scripture says it will be shown in my works, in how I live. And I want, uh, I want everyone uh, to understand that it's the Lord's goal not to get us to do theology or to do Bible study, to live the Bible. You do Bible study so that you can understand what it says, so you can live it out. And that's the piece we've been missing. And if the church doesn't wake up immediately and start living out its faith uh, and pushing back against the darkness, as God calls us to do, loving our neighbors, we're commanded to love our neighbors. Um, if we don't do that, what happened in Germany is already happening here and it will get worse and worse and worse. So I think the Lord's allowed these terrible things to happen to wake up those who can be awakened, you know, the remnant. Uh, and if those who can be awakened are awakened and get activated, we're going to be living in a new country. We're going to see beautiful things. We're going to see revival and reformation. And it's really the Lord's will, uh, but it's up to his people uh, to do it. It's a great and truthful message. It's not in what you say, it's in what you do. And uh, author and commentator Eric Metaxas, wish you the best of luck. We'll be praying for you and the movement as well. And uh, we hope your book helps uh, move the needle and move some people back to faith. Thank, Thank you, you so Nick, much God for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you too, Eric. All right, folks, that'll do it for us today. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting conservative media. And don't ever forget that by staying vigilant, we can bring our country back to true greatness. We'll see you next week. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting First Right to 30161. That's First Right, all caps, one word, to 30161.